This episode is brought to you by Fine Sight and Sound, the premier audio-visual integration company serving the greater Wyoming area right out of Sheridan, Wyoming. If you own a business or a new home and want the best sensory experience, go to the experts at Fine Sight and Sound. Go to their website at fssavpro.com or call owner Aaron Perez at 307-751-6585 for more information and a free consultation. This episode of Go Be Wyoming is brought to you by Fly Sheridan. Save time, fly local, fly Sheridan. The Sheridan County Airport has reliable air service operated by SkyWest Airlines and United. They have a newly remodeled terminal and construction for additional parking underway. Sheridan County is becoming one of the busiest airports in the region. Book your direct flight to Denver today via united.com. Save time, fly local, fly Sheridan. thinking about this because I was like here in Sheridan we're a little spoiled you know you've had black tooth for a while and then Sheridan beer which is still black tooth but um and then luminous um and like I really think Sheridan kind of jump-started the whole craft brewery thing but I was thinking about I was like I don't think black tooth I'm like I don't think they were the first or the the oldest so right uh Snake River is in Jackson Hole Snake River is the oldest they're going on 20 Seven or 28 years at this point. Oh, cool. So they're almost to the big 3-0. Yeah, right. And they're they're not the original craft brewery in Wyoming, but they are the original. They are the only ones standing. The original craft brewery in Wyoming was Grand Teton. Okay. They have since moved to Idaho, but so Snake River is the oldest existing. In Wyoming, Wyoming. yeah. Okay. Yeah, heck with you, Grand Teton, moving yeah. out of the state. Traders. <laughs> yeah, traders. Just kidding. They're lovely people. Um, <laughs> um but, uh, so yeah, Michelle from the, no, okay. I'm going to screw this up because it's, you've got the association and then the guild. Correct. It's the Wyoming craft brewers association guild guild. Okay. The yes. Wyoming craft brewers guild. And then the Wyoming distillers guild. Dist- they're guild. Both guilds. Oh, they're both guilds. Yes, oh, yes, they're both guilds. Come on, Aaron. I, <laughs> well, it is confusing because essentially a guild is an association. So it, it gets to be a little bit. Sticky, yeah. Like the words. <laughs> <laughs> um, just need to do my research next time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got Michelle. Uh, you director of both, or yes, executive that, director of both. Uh, both. Okay, awesome. Very cool. Um, and now you're originally from. Um, remind me, you're from uh, here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew Sheridan, up in Ranchester. In Ranchester. Right. Awesome. Very cool. And um, we were just talking about, because my wife and I came back from a trip to New York, but you went out, left the state, uh, tried to do the, the singing life. and the, Were you trying to like go Broadway or what was your... No, my focus was in opera. So oh, I okay. actually went to college in Minneapolis, got a singing degree, and then I moved to California, moved to Los Angeles, and had kind of grand plans of working for the bigger houses on the West Coast. Never did work for the big houses, but I worked for a lot of smaller opera companies Right. Uh, before I kind of sacrificed my life to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak, right? Um, yes. <laughs> what, what, uh, what kind of experiences did you gain from the opera houses? That's very, uh, uh, you know, a very niche, you know, industry. Absolutely. I mean, opera is, is, you know, you can do it as a career in a variety of different ways. Mm. I should say for people who do not have huge careers and don't sing it like the Met and La Scala and the Paris Opera House, people who aren't doing that, 
you are a much more rounded musician if it's your career. So you do opera, but you also probably do what we call oratorio, which is classical music with an orchestra mm. in a concert setting and also art song and recitals. And you also usually have to be a fairly experienced church musician. Ah. And in a place like at Los Angeles or New York, you also have to be an experienced choral musician and a studio musician. Gotcha. So if you want to make a living as a singer and you're classically trained, you have, do have to do a lot of other things. Yeah. You've got, you've got to branch out. And, right. um, and I, it's it's like any anything professional, you know, like the like you mentioned the Met and those those other ones, like that. I mean, that's like the one percent, if that, yeah, of of absolutely. singers, you know. So, yes. um, very cool. So you, um, probably got experience in all those different genres and and was doing that and um, uh, you know, learning music. I think learning music is so cool. I think uh, I used to play jazz in high school, so that's, um. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, it's a different language. You yeah. are learning a whole different language mm-hmm. that spans centuries of human existence and story. And it's, it's a it's a really it's a great way to learn about the best and worst of humanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really it's a really cool language to be able to speak with other people yeah, in the world. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, so you're doing that, and then you decided. Uh, <laughs> How are you saying it? Uh, sold your... Uh, so, yeah, sacrificed my yeah. life to alcohol, which is a really, that's a pretty strong statement. Yes. That probably makes me sound like I have a problem. Yeah. Um, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I, I should say it in a much more um, sophisticated way. I spent a lot of time in craft breweries during my time in Los Angeles. Okay. And, you know, just with my singers and colleague friends. And I fell in love with the culture of craft beer for a lot of the same reasons I loved opera. And what I was saying earlier about how music is this amazing universal language, so is beer. But beer is even older, and it's even more, there's even more um, proof that it brings people from different places together at a label, a level table. Mm. And, and I, I sometimes jokingly say, but I really do mean it, that I think craft beer could save the world, yeah. could solve humanity's problems if we could all just sit down together and have a beer that was lovingly crafted. Yeah. And it, immediately we have something in common and the table is equal and we can have difficult conversations with this incredible lubricant for humanity. Uh, um, so I, I fell in love with the idea that craft breweries are working to do something very special and they really believe in what they're doing, not just the product that they're making, but the way they influence their community and humanity at large. And I thought, wow, this, this might be where I want to be. Like maybe, maybe I want to let go of the kind of rat race within the performing world Mm -hmm. and be a little bit more connected to people who are just so passionate and kind of grassroots, you know, boots on the ground, soldiers for good things. Yeah. Um, so when I say sacrifice my life, that's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> I, I moved in that direction because it just felt like that yeah. was where well, I should be. You're sacrificing yourself for that grander purpose that you that right. you see craft brewery, you know, or craft beer could be, yeah. um, and, and that uh, some of these brewers are doing. Right. Um, that's awesome. No, that's very cool. I didn't even think about the history of that and um, – I would say also outside of beer, I think um, distilled alcohol can also yeah. be one of those, you know, if you can enjoy a, Absolutely. I guess a whiskey or whatever yeah. we're talking, you know, whatever it is, um, same thing, you know, you can 
solve a lot of the world's problem. I would hundred percent agree. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but, um, I do want to go because last time we were talking, when we first met, we um, had talked about why all you singers were hanging out drinking beer. And you were kind of explaining that um, alcohol or beer helps with singing. Is that correct? Or am I paraphrasing here? My my professional musicians out there are shaking their heads right now, and I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) What I I should say is that um, every singer has a ritual Mm. before they perform, even if no matter what your genre is, pop, rock, jazz, opera. Yeah. And uh, my ritual is <laughs> to have a very small shot of whiskey before I perform. And what that does for me, <laughs> for me, and I'm not recommending every young singer out there go buy a bottle of whiskey and take it with you to your performance. Please don't do that. <laughs> but, but Drink did, responsibly. Yeah, yeah. Right, please be responsible. What it did for me was to relax the the muscles in the throat and in the abdomen that are typically overly tense due to nerves. Mm. So it does sort of uh, reset the system right before singing. Um, I also will caution anybody thinking about trying it. If you have issues with acid reflux, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it will make a really make a big mess. But um, so yes, this is it's part of the ritual. Okay. But in addition to that, we spent a lot of time in craft breweries <clears throat> because we were we needed places to to create mm. ideas yep. and to talk bounce, about bounce yes. ideas off each other. Yeah. Right. Again, a, an equal place where we could all come together and talk about what we were going to do and to create something unique. And uh, also, singing is stressful. This yes. singing career is incredibly stressful, <laughs> and uh, it's very rare to meet a professional singer who doesn't imbibe in something. Yeah. Um, it's not unlikely, <laughs> but it's rare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, very cool. Um, well, so you, you stumble upon this, you know, purpose of craft breweries. Um, you know, was that about the same time you were coming back home? Um, or was that kind of what pushed you to come back home? Or did you find something out in that uh, LA? You were in LA, right? Right. Uh, did you find something in that LA area or? Yeah, that's a great question. I I fell in love with craft beer probably in 2009 or 10. Okay. And at that time I was in California. Well, I was in then I lived in Denver for a couple of years. So I was kind of back and forth. Oh, okay. When I went back to LA, um I was home brewing and I met, you know, I was part of a homebrew club. Right. And have this whole different network of humans in my life who were wonderful. And I thought I worked in a title insurance company, all things that served all my habits, all my (laughs) beer and singing habits. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great if I could just get a part-time job at a brewery so I could dig in a little bit deeper and see what this is all about. And maybe I want to become a professional brewer someday. So I had little jobs at breweries around LA for a while. I did brand ambassadorships and bartending and some kind of back office work and sales work and stuff, but nothing full time. And Mm. then when I, I took a certificate program through the university of Vermont to get my certificate in the business of craft beer. Okay. I now work for them also remotely, but in that process, I created a business plan for a brewery in Sheridan. Oh, okay. And I thought black tooth was really young. Um, Mm -hmm. was also really young and I thought it was so cool to go home and build a brewery here and sort of, you know, marry my love with of Wyoming with my love of beer and yep. kind of return return home, right? Yeah. Political daughter. Yes, home. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, 
the business plan, as everybody knows, requires a lot of money. Yes. I mean, it requires so much money to build a brewery. It's a, it's a manufacturing facility. It t- takes hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. And I couldn't quite figure out how to raise the capital. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just keep trying to get a job in the beer industry. And I tried really hard in L.A., and it was really challenging because the talent pool is so deep mm. in a place like Los Angeles. There, At that time, there weren't that many breweries, but there were a lot of people like me who wanted to do it. So I ended up getting looking all over the country. I wanted to leave L.A. The cost of living was getting to be too much. And yeah. I looked at Vermont and Idaho and some other East Coast states thinking, I just need to leave and go somewhere else to do this. And lo and behold, the job that actually got me was the one that was offered here in Wyoming. Oh, well, I guess, I guess I'll go back then. <laughs> I suppose that's a sign. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I moved back to Wyoming in 2018. Okay. Very cool. Um, I want to go all the way back. So you were home brewing. Yeah. Um, how did you, um, yeah. How did that process happen? Did you, you were just like, I'm going to brew it at home. What was the first step? Like, uh, did you join a group or, uh, <laughs> you know, walk us through that and in the learning process of your home, home brew. Yeah. I, uh, so this is a very, very common story. The, the genesis of this whole thing is, is very common in the brewing world. My partner at the time, I bought him a Mr. Beer kit for Christmas one year, okay. which is this horrible kind of all extract kit. Um, and it, you know, you ferment it in this little tiny plastic barrel and it usually smells and tastes terrible, but it gives you an idea of how the process works. Okay. And a lot of people at that time were trying this Mr. Beer thing. So we gave it a try and, uh, it was terrible. And I think one batch even leaked all over our closet. So like our closet smelled like beer for months. And this was to be a trend to continue in my homebrewing career was a house that always smelled like beer. And so late, you know, eventually I graduated to a, a much more serious system. I, I built a mash tun, built is a loose term. I converted <laughs> an igloo cooler into a mash tun and I bought a boil kettle and a bunch of you know, fermenters and different things. And homebrewing is like anything else. Once you get started, you start to buy more expensive, cooler stuff. Yeah. yeah there's always the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had this entire, you know, corner of my 400 square foot apartment completely dedicated to beer equipment and empty bottles and full bottles and fermenting things that were leaking or not leaking. And so, so this is a process that went on for probably 15 years. Oh, wow. That, uh, and it started with the Mr. Beer kit that was terrible. And then, you know, 15 years later I had this huge portion of my living space dedicated to (laughs) (laughs) crappy brewing equipment. Uh, But when I moved back to Wyoming, I, I don't really have the space for it now. Yeah. So now, and I really don't have the time either. But the good news is, I'm spending most of my life dedicated to craft breweries and yep. distilleries. So I'm still getting that <laughs> yeah. scratched. So I miss it. But yeah, I did. I did join a homebrew club in LA to help. Like, you can bring your beer and have it evaluated, and they give you ideas. And sometimes you can buy ingredients together. Mm-hmm. And it you know makes it a lot more. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Wow. That's so like. You know, when you, when you going back to your sacrificed your life for alcohol, like it's like, no, like for the, your living room was a home brew. (laughs) It's true. My, my lifestyle and my living space was, was affected. Yeah. It was, it was craft beer. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Well, I, I can tell right away that now coming out here and being part of the guild, you know how the process works. So when you're talking with these Wyoming 
craft brewers, you know what to ask them. You know, you know what they're talking about when they're telling you the ingredients or what process they're doing. You're like, yeah, okay. You, you know, haven't done it maybe at their scale, but you're like, no, I know exactly what they're talking about. Um, and then, uh, you know, with the, with the group you were part of the tasting and like what to look for, um, you know, just fits right into you're going to help these brewers with, um, you know, a new product like the snake river, uh, code three that we have in here. Um, is that kind of your job as part of the guild is to help them with that? Or is it more of the promoting them? Yeah, that's a fair question. The The main job of a guild is the same as a trade association, which is legislative advocacy. Mm. So our primary purpose is to create an environment where breweries can grow and thrive that's relatively friendly from a regulatory perspective. Right. So we do we do some lobbying and we push bills through that are helpful and we defend against bills that are harmful. Uh, and of course we are also working all the time to per, to create strategic partnerships through with state agencies. Right. And then it's about promotion and education. So the, cool. the pillars of the guild's mission are advocacy, promotion, education. Okay. So after advocacy, then we're working on getting the word out about our breweries and making sure Wyoming drinkers are going to their local craft brewery before mm-hmm. they go somewhere else. Yep. And then it's education. So we build to your point, we do build some resources for brew, professional brewing uh, development in addition to like sales and marketing and taproom management, and business decisions. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure our breweries have every resource possible to be as successful as they can be in a market that is constantly changing. Yeah. Yep. Constantly. Helping them with business plans if yes. they want to start. <laughs> yes. Um, well, let's, let's talk about those pillars. Um, so advocacy, um, you know, I think it's fair to say Wyoming has been fairly uh, friendly, as you put yeah. it, friendly to craft brewers. Um, you know, um, I would say the public hasn't been really anti, um, right, <laughs> anti-brewers, so um, that's good so far. Um, maybe on the distillers front, because you're part of that guild, you know, is that... Um, kind of the same or do you see any differences in uh, on the advocacy advocacy side you know yeah the, absolutely the, the craft distilling movement is behind the craft brewing mm. movement yeah just the same way the craft brewing movement was behind the small winery movement we're all kind of following in each other's footsteps right so therefore uh, liquor laws related to craft beer tend to be friendlier than liquor laws related to spirits. Ah, okay. There is a stigma that exists in our country uh, that spirits are a lot more evil and dangerous right. than beer, right? <laughs> yes. And I, I, I know absolutely categorically deny that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not true. The, the usage of any alcohol can be dangerous, mm. but the responsible enjoyment of a high quality handmade product is so worth defending mm-hmm. for our culture and our economy and our small businesses. So it is true that in Wyoming, beer laws are more friendly than liquor laws, but we are working on it. Yeah. You know, what we were working on 10, 12 years ago with the brewers, we're now working on with the distillers. And there are very similar challenges on both sides. The, the distillers even have one privilege that the brewers don't have. You know, It's rare that it goes that direction, but it's going to be kind of unique to their industry it's a very different model obviously and 
Also, Wyoming is a control state for liquor and wine, which okay. means that all spirits and wine go through the state rather than okay. independent wholesalers. And with beer, you can not only self-distribute your own beer, but you can sell it through an independent wholesaler to get to the liquor store down the street. Gotcha. So it's a little, it's more open. Yeah. Yep. Is that, would you say, is that uh, part of your advocacy right now with the Guild with the Distillers is um, freeing that up in uh, regards for spirits? Um, I think, I mean, I, I can honestly say that we have not had any serious discussions, okay. um, nor do I expect it to be a priority for us to move against the liquor control laws. Yeah. I think we have a great relationship with the state agency. They've always been really wonderful to us and we have no reason to desire privatization of that. Okay. What we would like to see is a little more relaxation around things like how the distillers can sell their own spirits in their own tasting room, mm. whether or not they're able to get their spirits to, you know, a small amount of their spirits easily to a retailer who runs out on a Friday night, the ability to hold special events and how those events are coordinated. Gotcha. So we're looking more at those types of yep. privileges and, and less about changing the system. Yeah. Love that. Well, and that's, that's always what you want to hear. You want to hear compromise, right? You don't want to hear it like, yes. you don't want to be like, let's just change the whole thing. Cause right. that'll be bad. Um, um, cause talking with, um, I, I, this is all coming back to me cause I've talked with, uh, Bighorn spirits who's up here. They run, um, like why the, why they're not a, they're not a part of the distillers cause they're right. not a local distiller. But, um, since they sell spirits, they have to go through the state and yes. talking with them. That makes sense for like small events or like you said, if, a retailer runs out, you know, should be fairly easy for them to just let's just ship it to you right now. And so that way we don't have to do this. I don't know how long it, yeah. It takes a while. (laughs) Um, But uh, wonderful. So advocacy. So if you are a Wyoming distiller or craft brew, you better join and because that's why, um, because it will help your business. Um, And then um, you said uh, promotion, obviously. So um, events, fundraisers, um, coming on here, you know, talk show, um, podcast, whatever you want to call it. But um, what are some other, um, that's probably a little bit new for you. I would say you probably didn't have any experience with promotion or marketing. Um, What's been the challenge for you, especially for a state like Wyoming, where it's all, you know, we've got code three in here from Jackson Hole. You know, that's a depending on weather, that's a six hour drive from Sheridan. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh yeah. I have no background in marketing, digital marketing or otherwise graphic design, branding, zero, (laughs) zero. uh, That's okay. Professional background, but just like everything you learn most, you learn best by just going after mm-hmm. something and getting into it and, and making mistakes and screwing things up and getting embarrassed. And that's really the only way to get it done. So I did take a very brief course through the University of Vermont during that certificate program mm. on um, branding, like the basics of branding and marketing a brewery. Okay. So I had kind of basic ideas in my head about how to, how to foundationally create a brand identity and then how to build it from there. Gotcha. Then I had a lot of friends who were graphic designers who kind of gave me ideas about how to, how not to create a brand. Like, <laughs> like this brand will never work if you try to embroider it on a shirt yep. or, you know, this, you'll never be able to move this into a mobile application. And so I, I do have luckily a lot of people in my life who are much smarter than me at these things. Uh, but it was a complete learning curve to figure out how to 
put how to elevate the profile of breweries and distilleries across the state to consumers. How do I reach the consumers? So yep. we do have social media channels, but it's challenging to get their attention. There's yeah. so much noise on social media and the algorithms are all wackadoo. And I'm just old enough that I'm like, I don't just, yeah. I just don't get it. <laughs> like why, why is it so complicated? So uh, we work really hard to try to create a consistent voice on our social channels and to evenly represent all of our members and promote things like today is National Beer Day. Happy National oh, Beer Day, everybody. April, April 7th? April 7th. Oh, heck yeah. So we do things like that. And then, you know, you know, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all these big beer and spirit holidays. Right. We of course, do stuff like that. But Wonderful. It is, it's learning curve. Yeah. Um, well, a couple things since, because uh, this podcast, my buddy and I, when we started, you know, those were some things, big big points we were told to is consistent. Just be consistent. Yeah. Delegate the help to, to graphic designers or somebody to help you with the brand and the logo. Cause that is, you know, I'm not creative either. And it's like, I don't know what to do. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, um, you know, like you said, just try and be consistent and help them help, help your members. Yeah. Um, you know, in regards to promotion, um, you know, do, do you try and offer help to some of the smaller I guess the smaller markets, you know, like, like, you know, honestly, black tooth, you know, they've got three tap rooms now. Like they, they kind of don't really need, um, uh, marketing help, right. Versus, um, I'm trying to think of some smaller ones. Um, there's really tiny breweries everywhere. Yeah. Hobson, Casper, there you go. Yeah. Satan, Rock Mm -hmm. Springs. Mm -hmm. I I named them both, but they actually both do a great job on their social media. They don't really need me. But yes, if if a brewery was looking for some support and some additional help, I, that is one of the things I would be happy to do. Yeah. Um, or or offer them some insight if they were looking. Say, hey, do you look at my social channels? Do you think my message is consistent? Yeah. And I'd be happy to give them an opinion from my perspective. Yeah, you, you're on track, or this thing, these couple things you posted are maybe not quite mm. on brand. Sure. And uh, you might. You seem to get a lot of engagement from this thing. I might recommend keep going, you know, going yeah. that direction. Yep. But it, but I rarely give that kind of advice unless I'm asked. Yeah. You know. No. Yeah. They they are more than capable of doing it themselves. <laughs> um, same with beer itself. Sometimes I'll get asked to evaluate beer mm. for a brewery, and I have my Cicerone certification, which is like a beer sommelier, and they do from time to time ask, "Will you test this for flavors or for flaws?" Or different profile mm-hmm. um, characteristics, and I will do that, but I will not do it if I'm not asked. Yeah, and I will not say this has diacetyl <laughs> because that's not nice. Yeah, well, and it puts <laughs> you in a weird position too, running the guild because you don't want to um, seem like you're favoring somebody, or right. um, but um, you know, it, it's valuable for the guild though to have that resource of somebody that can come and say, hey, you know, yeah. maybe this is what I would do, or this is what it tastes like to me. Um, so no, very, very cool. Awesome. Um, anything, um, so it's national beer day. Didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, we, um, the reason why we, I should, we should kind of bring this up. The reason why we have, uh, the snake snake river code three in here is because it is getting released over this weekend Mm -hmm. should be in shelves, um, across the state. Um, on Monday the 11th, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. You know, (laughs) kind of up to our wholesalers, but (laughs) it'll be out there next week. Um, And um, 
And then in a couple weeks, we have a big fundraiser here in Sheridan at the Wild Theater um, with um, the Sage Arts. Is it the Sage, right? Sage Arts Gallery. Yep, Sage Arts Gallery. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. What's that a fundraiser for? Yeah, we're so excited about this. It's a fundraiser for the Wyoming Distillers Guild. Awesome. And also a portion of the proceeds will be going back to the Sage Arts Gallery as well, which is um, kind of an artist organization within Sheridan. Mm -hmm. Some of the amazing local artists are part of that community. Yeah. And they do so much great education, arts education in the community too. Really important to Sheridan. So the director of Sage and myself got together a year or so ago and I came up with all these harebrained ideas about how, you know, we should really be integrating the idea of artistic mastery across disciplines better mm-hmm. than we do. We don't really do that. Like beer's over here, alcohol's over here. Visual arts are over here, music is over here, but it should really all be yeah. the same conversation. Mm-hmm. It's still mastery. Should be at the table. Should be the same table, yes. exactly. <laughs> Equal table with a cocktail in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh, eight of our distilleries are coming to Sheridan. They will all have booths in the Wyo, sampling their portfolios and creating unique cocktails for the evening. Ooh. And we've got eight musicians from the area, some some musicians from the Wyoming Symphony, some people from here I'm singing, and then a, a, runk, a reggae funk band is coming. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and then we have about eight abstract artists who are creating pieces just for this event. Okay. So it's going to be an evening. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening yeah. all at once. Very cool. Yeah. should be really unusual, unique, and yeah dynamic sounds like sounds like fun yeah <laughs> that's what that sounds like <laughs> it's gonna be a great time <laughs> um do uh do you need to buy tickets do you need to register yes yes tickets okay. are for sale at the wyotheater.com website awesome there's or you also probably a, could walk up in person i would you imagine definitely do it at the ticket office there's also a facebook event page the event i think we haven't mentioned yet is called soiree okay okay so if you go on facebook and type in soiree event or to the Distillers Guild page or the Sage Arts page, you'll see the event page. Wonderful. With all the information, including um, kind of a rundown of the program and ticket prices and ticket link and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Yeah, tickets are, there's a VIP hour at Sage Gallery at six o'clock. Okay. And that's catered by Verdello and we'll have a gin and tonic Ooh. bar. Be really cool. And artists are like an artist meet and greet. Yeah, very cool. So starting VIP starts at 6.30 at Sage. Six o'clock. Six o'clock, um, and then to the Wild Theater. Um, go be wild. We'll share all these links and stuff as right, well. Yeah. But yeah, go to the Guilds page or just type in Soiree. Make sure you're finding one at the Wild Theater. <laughs> yeah. I imagine there's a lot of Soiree events on Facebook, but um, very cool. Okay. Um, well, then the last pillar that we'll talk about is education. I um, mean, you were kind of mentioning, you know, education in regards to. Um, you know, career opportunities, you know, uh, training. Um, and then you kind of mentioned, I think that people kind of forget is the business side, you know, uh, business planning, um, you know, management, taproom management. So, um, you know, why is that important to both of the guilds, you know, the education pillars? It, it's really important because most people who start a brewery or a distillery are not beer or spirits people. Mm. Or they are beer and spirits people, but they're not business people. Yeah. And usually, not always, uh, a, a new a new owner is somebody who has a lot of passion for the product and the culture, just like me, but not very much 
information and education and experience on opening a business that straddles the lines between manufacturing and hospitality, Yep, which is very complicated and very expensive. So back in the day when the craft beer movement was kind of electric and you couldn't do wrong, you know, you could open a brewery with your homebrew system out of your garage in, in theory, this is very theoretical. Yes. <laughs> and, and people would have shown up, you know, build it and they will come. And that's exactly what happened. But these days there's so much beer in the market. There's now over 9,000 craft breweries in the state of the United States. And there was only, you know, 6,000 a couple of years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. we have just exploded. Yeah. So there's so much competition out there. You cannot afford to make beer that isn't extraordinarily excellent and you can't afford to make bad business decisions. Yep. <laughs> it just simply will not work. Mm-hmm. And you can't afford to have an inconsistent brand or bad service or, or dirty glassware. Yep, <laughs> you right. have to do everything really right. So in order for you to be able to do that, you need to have the resources and education to understand how to execute at that level. Yep. So we do provide, you know, basic, if somebody calls with a problem and I don't have the answer, because many times I don't have the answer, but I know where to get it. Mm-hmm. I'll go after the answer for them. We also do educational webinars and we present a conference every year for the Brewers Guild. And this year it's going to be in Casper. Last okay. year it was in Sheridan. Awesome. And we have two days of just high level professional development webinar seminars from speakers all over the country that come in and talk about technical brewing issues, sales, marketing, business management, DEI stuff. We have a lot of training on that too. Yeah. It's important. Yep. So we we are really serious about making sure our members have the resources they need because they should never feel like there can't there isn't an answer to their problem. Right. They should always feel like I know where to go for that. Yeah. And and, and it helps them be successful, you know, and that's the whole point. Right. You know, yes. you guys want them to be successful and uh, not fail and, and uh, continue on, you know, Wyoming breweries. Yes, yeah. exactly. And distilleries and grow the market. The more distilleries, the merrier, the more breweries, the merrier, yep. you know, let's, <laughs> let's do this. Yep. Wyoming yeah. is, is kind of cool. I, I may have mentioned this before, but we are fourth in the nation for breweries per capita. Okay. So, and ahead of us are states like Vermont and I think, um, Maybe South Dakota because okay. they also have really low populations. Yep. So we have a really low capita, right? <laughs> but we but we have so many breweries for that amount of people, which just proves that Wyomingites are very friendly to these types of businesses, and we should keep yep keep promoting that. that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think um, well, what are the benefits for a small community to have a brewery? Um, you know, I think um, people are starting. You know, Wyoming's always kind of been open to it, but. Um, for anyone that might not know, like uh, just for the economy, um, you know, what does a brewery, a successful brewery bring to a small community? Yeah, I love that question because it's right at the core of why I do what I do, right? I, I mean, apart from the sort of obvious job creation uh, element, which even in a small brewery isn't enormous, but but probably a brewery like Blacktooth uh, for a shared an area employs mm-hmm you know, well over 20, 25 people. Right. So that's a pretty important piece of the economy right there. But in addition to that, tourists come to breweries. Beer tourism is a real thing in our day and age. People go into a town and they look at what breweries are in this town and they stop and they stay longer. They might even stay the night, which we highly encourage if they're driving and they drink more than two beers. (laughs) So we, we really, uh, 
we really believe that it's an important piece of the tourism economy in Wyoming, especially. But in addition to that, it's bringing in, it's 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 bringing in supplies and, and ideas and different kinds of people. The pe- people that work for breweries tend to be folks like myself who came from a different background. Mm-hmm. We're usually not alcohol people by trade. Yeah, right. <laughs> we came from something else. So there's a really diverse group of people who are creative and talented in other ways, and they want to move their families to communities to be a part of it. In addition to that, they're usually centers of community efforts like philanthropic giving or benefits for charities and nonprofits. Uh, they're, they're centers for music and art, and they're, they're a community pillar. Mm-hmm. They certainly, at their best, they are a community yes. pillar, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can say the same thing about distilleries, even though... They are missing the taproom aspect, but they are still a company that is deeply rooted in the best possible growth potential of their community, and that's why they chose it. Yeah, wonderful. That was well said. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we had mentioned that a brewery is manufacturing but also hospitality, and then that's how it kind of, when we talk about how is it valuable to a community, well, one jobs, yes, but then you know the ability for them to be philanthropic, help the community in events like the fundraiser, the soiree that we're doing, like the arts, um, you know, and like uh, we can go off on how many things Blacktooth does in Sheridan, but you know, yeah. so all the breweries across the state can do that in their communities, um, and then yeah, the distillers obviously can as well. Um, they kind of miss the taproom aspect, but you know, yeah. they can still do everything else. So um, wonderful. Um, well, Michelle, is there anything we're missing that you wanted to cover for the first time Gosh, for the guilds? We've really covered a lot. Here. Yeah, no, I'm we didn't. Sure <laughs> we're missing anything. No. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, we just want people to know that at post-pandemic, mm. our breweries and distilleries are up against some pretty intense challenges right now. And if you have one of those in your community, please, please, please go support them. Their their shipping costs have tripled. Their freight costs have tripled. Their supplies costs have doubled. I mean, it's a really tough time for this industry. Yep. And um, But like every other small business, it's happening across the board, right? Every other small business is struggling in the same way. So we just want to encourage people to think about that when mm-hmm. you go to buy beer for that picnic. Yep. That, <laughs> yeah, help 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 something that's local and in your community, yep. Yep. Um, because they will give it back, and it helps. You know, like we mentioned, help someone working there, or yeah. the um, you know the supply chain and all that stuff. So, um, before we uh, before we taste this code three, yeah. um, how can people reach you, and where can they find uh, the guilds on social media? Um, and then, yeah, we'll crack one of these open Perfect. and do like a can't review. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> um, yes, both the Distillers Guild and the Brewers Guild have active websites. The Distillers Guild website is pretty new, okay. um, but it's just wildistillersguild.org. And the brewers are at wildcraftbrewersguild.org or .com. We are both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh I can't do TikTok because I'm too old. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Can't do it. No, you're, you're not missing out on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told it's the thing to do, but I just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so you can reach us through those channels. Um, we're always pretty responsive, and we'd love to hear anything anybody has to say. We also have a membership for homebrewers and enthusiasts. 
And we also have a brewery and planning membership. So if you're really interested in opening something, we'd love to help you. Very cool. Yeah. And as Michelle said, like she, if, if she doesn't have the answer, she can reach out. And, and so if you're in, if you are serious about starting another brewery, yes. reach out to her and uh, let's keep that train moving. I think everyone's all on board for more <laughs> breweries so. across the state. So, <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about this code three from, um, Snake River over in Jackson Hole, oldest brewery in Wyoming. Um, what kind of beer is it? What is it? And we'll give like a yeah first review of it here. Sure. It's an IPA that has been brewed with um, local hops that have been sourced from Mill 95 Hops in Idaho. Okay. And I believe the hops, and we'll, once we taste it, we'll know for sure, but I believe that they were able to use some varieties that have like tropical flavors, tropical notes to them. Mm, perfect time for summer. Yes, exactly. Uh, so this is not a traditional West Coast IPA that's really resiny and sticky and gnarly. If you're a person that says, oh, I hate IPAs because they're too bitter, that's this me. is not that that's IPA. Me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, this will well, be the test. Well, yeah. this will be the test then. <laughs> if, if you like it, then everyone's going to. Perfect. Run for it. All righty. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go for it. I'll do a, we don't have video today, but we got, um, very cool logo from snake river there. The, the mountains. Oh, they even have it on there. Wyoming's oldest brewery. Code three IPA. That's a pretty cool logo of a cowboy drinking a beer. Um, and so we'll hit the, we gotta get this. There we go. That's the good stuff. Yeah, right there. <laughs> I should mention what code three is while we're yes. sort of getting settled here. Code, so the state of Wyoming has an official code of ethics. It's part of state law, who knew? And it's the cowboy code of ethics, apparently. The third code in the cowboy code of ethics is always finish what you started so this beer is in honor of that code three to always finish what you started obviously as a trade association we take that commitment very seriously <laughs> right we we start at doing something and we finish it for our members but also we hope you will take it seriously and finish your beer yes <laughs> very cool yeah, and they even have they they've got that whole description that, that Michelle just kind of gave right there on the can, so that's very cool. Um, all right, let's see. This is the moment of truth. I can smell the, the kind excited. of the fruity, like you're saying. Yeah, it's not not uh, um, what'd you say, gnarly, like gnarly, like, sticky. Uh, <laughs> sticky. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't taste like that at all. Um, almost doesn't even have that can barely taste that little bitter, the the hops there that makes yeah. it an IPA. Um, yep. It's yeah. a pretty, it's light on the bitterness <clears throat> for an IPA. So it's perfect for spring and summer, yep. I think. Yes. Uh, also, if you pour it out into a glass, you'll get a lot more from the aroma. Yeah. A lot more from the aroma hops, which I, which I was mentioning before, I believe are a little more on the tropical side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, this is a pretty... A pretty good slam dunk. I could I could drink this. <laughs> I yep. Could this, drink a this, few this, of these. this would be all right. Yep. Um very good. Yeah. The good. code so the, the code non, three. Yeah. Non IPA drinker approves. Yes, good. I approve. Yep. So if you if you're one of those people that I hate IPAs, well this one would not. You'd be okay with it. This one might work um, for you. Yes, this might work for you. Um very cool. Um 
I should figure out if we should do like a review system. But this is our first one, so I don't can't do like a scale or anything like that. Oh yeah. Um, you should guys you guys should do that. Like That's a, a scale, idea. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um we could probably put that together for you. Yes, yeah. Do like <laughs> a you know, like a ranking system here. But um yeah, no, this is a good beer. Um, I think this might be the first one I've ever had from Snake River. Didn't even think about oh, it. Oh, wow. It's a uh, good day. So, you know, uh, the promotion side of the guild is working. Yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, <laughs> very cool. Well, good. Well, thanks for bringing this in. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, and uh, there's nothing else we can talk about, so we're just going to finish these beers yeah. off in studio. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, remember, uh, April 11th, this will be out uh, across the state, Code 3, uh, from Snake River Brewing. Um, and then April 26th, 28th. 28th is the soiree at the wild theater. Um, you can get your tickets online. And then, uh, again, the VIP, uh, time starts at six at Sage, um, help support your artists and your distillers. Cause this is a distillers guild. Correct. Um, so help them out. Um, and if you want to listen to music and have some cocktails, get a ticket. So, yeah. well, thanks for listening and we'll catch everyone next time. Thanks, Thank Michelle. You. Cheers.